It's more valuable to us to have good people in the brand that represent our culture than just to have everybody in the brands. This is the Ask the BCE Show, episode number five. I got some saliva going out of my teeth. Happy Halloween. I got my teeth. In this episode, we're getting scary. This is my guest. <laughs> it's creepy, dude. <laughs> Get the tongue out of here. <laughs> Uh, yes, it's Halloween, episode number five of the Ask BCE Show. That's the Blue Collar Entrepreneur's Show. Thanks for tuning in. Um, if you have questions, we are live. Send me some questions. We got a couple questions that came in over this last week. And I'm sorry, I missed last week. We, me and Reese were up on the mountain still in my hunting company. And uh, to be honest with you, I was just exhausted. I thought about it. And we we're supposed to film up on the mountain, but... I just didn't want to. I was tired, man. I was ready to be done. So I'm happy to be back and happy back at work, progressing, working on things and all the different companies that we have here. But um, so yeah, this is Halloween. You know what? Let's start it out by, let's share like uh, our favorite Halloween moments. Uh, I'll go first. So if you guys are on live, throw in some questions, or not questions, comments about your favorite Halloween moment. I would love to see them. Um, I think, you know, I'm, I was never really that big into candy Halloween. I don't know. I was just a kid. I just didn't have that big a sweet tooth. Um, but I love the, like, being mischievous, right? So, like, as I got older after, you know, when you're a kid, you it's all about the costume and what costume that you have. That's, like, the whole thing about Halloween. That was for me anyway. But as I got older, I loved the toilet papering and, like, the mischievous pranks and tricks that you would do for Halloween. I don't know. That was my favorite part about Halloween. And I guess as I got older, I don't know what it is. But I love dressing like a woman for Halloween. Throw me a, a Wonder Woman costume or, you know, seriously, one year I was a Hooters girl. That was probably my, the funnest Halloween year I've ever had. It was when I was the Hooters girl. I got served drinks like this. <laughs> um, Alex, what's, what do you think, man? What's your favorite Halloween? So it's about the candy, huh? Yeah. And we would yeah. Uh, if you guys didn't hear him, um, it's all about, it's all about the candy for Alex. He must have a sweet. You know what? These guys brought in uh, donuts. Actually, this is where I got these teeth from. Is they had brought in donuts they decorated for Halloween. I ate one. It was really good. Reese, you, dude, you're all, and Reese is our videographer, uh, photographer. He's all about Halloween. You do like a haunted house like every year, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I think my favorite part is just you know. Stealing candy from little kids when I was in my mid twenties. Terrible, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, definitely, Terrible. Uh, setting up haunted houses and stuff for uh, all the little ones to come hang out and experience. That's my it's favorite. scaring yeah. little kids. Oh, yeah, yeah, a little bit. No, yeah, that's your favorite part. Yeah, if you didn't hear him, yeah, it's stealing candy from little kids and scaring little kids is Reese's favorite part about Halloween. Isla, Isla's in here today too. Isla runs all our social media marketing. Uh, she's an expert, I'm going to say an expert at social media marketing. Like, this is what she does, man. She's good at it. So, um, what about you? Uh, I have a favorite memory. I was just a, a toilet for Halloween one time. And I Your favorite memory is a toilet. I was You a were toilet, a toilet. And I had a costume contest at Taekwondo because that's what I did when I was young. And I won. You know what I got out of that story? 
Isla's a badass. Don't mess with her. She's going to kick your ass. That's what I got. The toilet knows Taekwondo. That's, that's what I got out of that story. That's cool. She didn't take no shit from nobody. <laughs> she, she didn't take no shit from nobody. That's right. Ben, get in here. We're talking about Halloween stories live on the BCE show. Before we start in, thanks for hanging in, guys. We're just having a little bit of fun here on Halloween. Ben, what was your favorite Halloween moment? Reese likes to steal candy from kids and scare them. Isla was a toilet, badass toilet. Evidently, she knows Taekwondo. Don't mess with her. She'll kick your ass. Um, what was yours? You know, we were really like the destructive kids in the neighborhood. So it was all about going out and grabbing people's pumpkins and throwing them off. The <sighs> Stealing pumpkins. I yes. yes. Stealing pumpkins. Smashing pumpkins. You ended up in juvie anyway, didn't you? Yeah, you did. <laughs> Ben's favorite Halloween moment was stealing pumpkins. That, hey, I'm not saying that I haven't done that before. I've got a good story about that. I won't say that on the BCE show. But uh, I don't know. Let's, uh, if any of you guys are live, send me in some questions. I'd love to answer them. Also, I house all these videos on my YouTube channel. And I have about five subscribers right now. I'm real stoked about it. So please subscribe, and you could watch all the videos. Um, and uh, hopefully you, you like the content. That's what this is all about. So let's start out with the first question that we got in. Alex, right. can you talk with that mask on? No. Nah, we took it off. All right. The underscore bice. The bice. Yes. Specifically, how often do you audit your time to make sure the projects you are working on and putting effort into are going to move you forward? All right. If you guys didn't hear that, how often do you audit your time and energy on what you're working on to make sure that you're moving forward and progressing? That is a really good question, the BICE. I appreciate that, dude. Um, here's the thing, I audit every day, I audit my time and energy. Uh, every day I have my list of to-dos and I prioritize my list of to-dos. There's nothing more valuable than your time and your energy. You don't get time back, it's, it's gone. It's, after this moment has left, it's gone. You're never gonna get it back. So audit. Often, I would audit every day. You might want to audit multiple times a day. How many times a day do you just check out a little bit and all of a sudden your phone beeps or you get a little notification and you jump on social media and before you know it, you've spent 45 minutes on Facebook or Instagram or watching some guy talk about business on the BCE show, just kidding. Um, and that time's gone, it's wasted. And did you progress? Did you get towards your goal? Uh, another big thing that I do is in the night before I plan my day, uh, a lot of people do like Sunday planning for the week and I think that's real important, but I do it every night. Every night I'll sit down and plan my day for the next day and I make sure that I'm prioritizing my list of to-dos to make sure that those things that I'm doing, I do first that are most important. And how do you prioritize what's most important? For me, it's what's actually gonna benefit the company financially, uh, culture, and HR, you know, because if you're running a company, you don't have happy employees, like you're not gonna get very far. Anyway, but if it's not benefiting your company in one of those categories, don't spend much time and energy on it. I put it towards the back of what to do. So um, what I really like to look at when you're trying to think about time and energy and what to spend your time and energy on is you need that big macro view. I, I call it the uh, 10,000 foot view versus the uh, right here, the five foot view. Macro, micro view of your company, uh, business, 
whatever you're trying to do, whether it be fitness, whatever you're in, you need the big macro view and the, and the micro view. The macro view is your vision of where you wanna go, where you wanna be, maybe it's six months, one year, five years, 10 years down the road, that's the big macro view. The micro view, uh, you know, Gary Vee calls it, calls it clouds and dirt. I don't know if anybody watches him, but he calls it clouds and dirt. So you get have a big picture of what you wanna do, and then you get down and actually do the work in the dirt. So. Uh, what can happen a lot of times is you spend a lot of time in the dirt and the micro and, and your vision gets really blocked because all you can see is that one task right ahead of you. And it's really easy to steer off path of where you actually want to go. Like I call it getting caught in the weeds when you're spending more time replying back to emails or messages or doing things that really don't matter and it's not making your company or yourself any more money. Um, so I think you have to equally proportion your time from macro to micro, step back and look at what you're doing as a big macro view. That way you can see, all right, wait, what I'm doing here micro is actually lead me towards not where I want to go. I've got to step back and say, all right, let's go this way on this path. It's kind of like selling a ship. I know I'm going real heady into this, but it's like selling a ship. If you start out on the ocean and you want to get to a different continent or get to a, a place, you need a roadmap to get there, right? So if you don't have that map, which is your macro view of how to get there, you're probably going to end up sailing around for a while and hopefully one day land where you want to go. The micro view is on that path, on that map, is the little steps to get there. So. Um, if you start getting off course, you won't know that down in the dirt or that micro view. You have to get back in that macro view to say, whoa, I'm getting off course a little bit and let me go back down here micro and fix what I need to be, what needs to be fixed to get me back on course. So um, the BICE, man, that was a really good question. A lot, you know, long story short on that is um, often, audit your time often, man. If you gotta do it multiple times a day, do it. For me, I do it for sure every night. And then I often go back to that macro view of what we want to accomplish and uh, look at it on a macro level. So I think that's real important. Um, also that macro view leads into leadership. Uh, and in order to be a good leader, it's all about vision, right? So if you're not looking at your macro view and you're just sailing that ship wherever you're sailing it to and you don't know really where, um, it's hard to, it's hard to explain the vision to your crew, right? So like get macro often as a leader, as a, if you're the owner or whoever you are, maybe you're a team leader, or the company you work for, get macro and get that vision real well set in your head so you can then portray that vision to your staff, your crew, whoever. All right, thanks, Spice. I like that question, man. Um, I think we had a little bit coming in live here. Let me check it real quick. Sorry, guys. Joshua Robinson. Oh, can you read this? Anybody else got this besides me? You got it? Okay. My wife and I are looking to move to the Denver area in the next 12 months. Been working with startups for years and I'm checking out a few startups in the area. But on a personal level, what areas or suburbs are your favorites? In Denver? In Denver. Denver, right. Hey, Josh. Um, Denver's booming, man. Our economy's really good right now. And um, I don't think you could go wrong in really any spot in Denver. Depends on what the business is, obviously. You gotta kind of cater to that, but um, Denver's growing, man. Our economy's really good. It's the, the marijuana boom out here, man, just to be honest with you. Uh, people've got money, they're spending it. 
doesn't really matter to be honest with you, man. Make sure the population there, make sure whatever business you want to do fits the culture. Like I would never, you know, I, I would probably never like put a, um, I don't know, like a, a business that would fit Highlands Ranch, which is more like soccer moms, upper middle class, white collar, um, into like downtown Denver. You know, like you just want to make sure you understand the culture. You know what, dude? Let's DM me when you get a chance. Let me know what uh, businesses you're thinking about starting up, and I'll help you find the pockets and the good areas of Denver. But the big answer to that, man, is Denver's booming, man. It's growing really fast. There's a lot of money in Denver. I don't think you're going to go wrong by coming here and starting a business. Um, any other thing on? Looks like Instagram. Yep. Uh, we got Greg Hicks. What's up, Greg? What would you say are the biggest mistakes in building a brand? The biggest mistake, I think the number one biggest mistake in building a brand is the why. If, you're, if you don't have a why and your why is not genuine, I think that's, that's the driver behind the brand. Like, what I mean by why is why, you're, why are you doing what you're doing? Why did you create this brand? Why did you create this, this company? If your why is just to make money, your brand's probably not gonna be very good. It's not gonna be very solid. In the culture of your brand, it's not gonna be very good. Uh, but for example, if, if you start a nonprofit and your why is to help people are like homeless or children, like if you have a really good why, a real good solid why, you can't go wrong with the culture of your company. It's going to be great. Your brand's going to be great. Um, just that energy of the start, that brand is going to be, it's going to be on, on point, man. So audit your why. Why are you doing this? That's super important. The other thing is branding. That's a little bit of a, a micro. So let's go macro, micro, right? Like macro is why am I doing this? It's got to be genuine and a good reason. Can't just be, I want to get rich, I want to make money, and selfish reasons like that, right? Like, that's macro view. Micro view, let's go micro. Branding is real important when you, when you do a brand. You got to have branding colors, you have a branding type fonts. Everything has to be really similar and recognizable. Like, let's look like at one of the biggest brands in America, McDonald's, right? You, as soon as you see anything from McDonald's, you recognize it right away. The colors, the type font, the golden arches, everything's very recognizable. Nike's the same way. Uh, so branding is real important. Get you guys, a, get a good graphic design guy. Um, branding guidelines. If you're franchising, make sure all the franchises follow your branding guidelines. So um, I think I, did I answer that question? Yeah, I think it, so yeah, man, just to recap that. Sorry, sometimes I go off on tangents. So um, just to recap that, man, your why is most important and then branding guidelines is real important too. So macro, micro of that one, so. Um, anything else live? Nope. Nope, all right, let's go into, uh, are, you guys got anything else? I mean, we, and we spend a lot of time on branding. Right now, we're, we're really pushing Body Rival. This is our supplement line brand that we've been really hitting branding really hard with, and it's very, very important to us is the culture behind the brand. So we're really trying to instill that culture in the brand, and it's more valuable to us to have good people in the brand that represent our culture than just to have everybody in the brand. So, I don't know, Alex, man, we've, we've been spending a lot of time on this, man. What do you think about branding and, well, you know, Body Rival, the brand that we're building right now? Yeah, um, I think really the biggest thing is, to me, the culture behind it because if we have a, if we have a good culture, then people want to be a part of that brand and grow with that brand. We don't have a good culture. It's not exciting. It's not, you know, family oriented almost. It's mm -hmm, not something mm -hmm. people want to be a part of and grow with. Yeah, if you guys didn't hear that, um, culture. Alex hitting real hard on culture, like the family atmosphere, 
And so that's real important. You know, no one wants to work for a company that's, that just sucks showing up for. You know, so um, yeah, family's real important. Family culture is real important in branding too. So, all right, last question. Last question. Well, I guess it doesn't have to be a last. If you guys are out there live, throw out some more questions. We'll go as long as you guys want. This one's from Taylor Green Street. Uh, let's say you have a good idea. Now, what's the best way to raise funding without digging yourself into a big hole before you can get off the ground? Taylor, thanks for that question, man. I really like that. Um, so you guys in here, it's if you have a good idea, what's the best way to raise funding without digging yourself in a hole from the get-go, right? So uh, funding, man, there's a lot of different ways to get funding. Let's, let's start traditional. Traditional funding is through a bank, right? That's And actually, funding through a bank is not too bad now. The interest rates are pretty good. You know, 10, 20 years ago, the interest rates were really high, and it was actually really hard to pay back. You're almost putting yourself in a hole with high interest rates. So check your interest rate. But here's the here's the... I guess the tricky thing about going through a bank when uh, it's an idea, it's not something tangible yet. It's not physical, right? So a bank wants to know that if you fail, and let's face it, guys, 70% of small businesses fail in the first year, 90% of small businesses fail within five years. That's crazy, right? So why would a bank lend to that? The only way they'll lend to it is they're almost guaranteed to get their money back. So I'll take this for example, like one of my businesses, Fit Republic, and it's a retail store. It's hard to get lending on a Fit Republic because if you fail, the bank does not want to sell protein to get their money back, right? So it's different between like lending on a house where all you have to do is, the bank has to do is sell the house and they get their money back. And that's pretty easy to do. So Kaler, um, did I say that right? His name? Yeah, Kaler. Uh, it, so going through a bank with an idea, man, is almost going to be impossible unless you have liquid funds, unless you have a house to put down on as collateral. You have to collateralize the loan um, 100% almost, man. And your credit score has got to be 720, which is not typically too hard for most people. But uh, collateralizing the loan is everything. So if you're going through a traditional way of lending, you got to have assets to put up towards that loan. All right, that's traditional. Now, let's go non-traditional. Let's talk about investors. And this might be the best way for you to go, Kayla, is investors. And there's a, a million different ways to have investors. There's, there is no specific way to do it. You can write the book there. You can do whatever you want. And, and guys, like when, when most people think about investors, especially if you haven't gone through this at all, investors seem like, like they're the unicorn of money out there, right? Like, okay, I need an investor. Who, who do I need to hit up John Elway to, you know, to get money? Like you think of investors as like these big money guys that you have to do this, like you're going on shark tank to get money. And it's not like that. It doesn't have to be like that. Investors can be anybody. It can be friends, family, coworkers, anybody that has just as much belief in your vision as you do. But here's a kicker about investors. Most investors want a piece of the pie. What that means is they want some ownership in there. They don't want to put up their money just to have a small return on investment. There's too much risk, especially just for an idea that has no proven track record, has no profit and loss statements. There's no money coming in. There's absolutely nothing happening yet. And there's nothing wrong with ideas, Kayla. I, I mean, everything's founded off an idea. The, the hard part is getting the money to execute the idea, right? So. Um, yeah, investors can be anybody. You know, they could be your best friend you want to uh, college with. Um, now it just comes down to if you guys can agree upon what the terms are that invested investment is. If they're the money guy and you're the labor guy and you're doing all the work, 
Maybe you guys can split it 50-50 with their money. He gets 50% of the company, you get 50% of the company, it might be good. Um, there's a bunch of other creative ways to do it. I don't like giving up a piece of the pie too much because it's my hard work making that, that business, building that business. So I'll do more creative things like, um, you know, let's say they fully fund an idea of mine and I'm doing all the work. I may give them 10% profit sharing uh, for the first five years until I get that loan paid off and then it's all mine. You know, but you, you definitely want to give them a higher rate of return than like they would be getting on putting their money in a bank or putting it in a stocks uh, or bonds. You know, you, if you get a 5% return on investment, uh, on any investment, they're doing really, really good. And let's face it, it's an idea, Kaylor. It's gonna be a riskier investment for that person unless you can put together a really good business plan, man, where it seems really secure. I would give them double the investment they would be making somewhere else. I would give them a percentage of the profit sharing or even a piece of the pie, man, if you wanna do that too. So um, those are kind of the ways to, to get funding off the, off the bat without digging yourself in a big hole. Um, but make sure that like you have a really good plan. So know that you're gonna be paying back this money. And if you can't support the payment each month from what your business plan is, then don't do it because you're gonna fail. Or if it takes too long to pay off, like if, if it's like a 20 year payoff term, man, why are you doing it? It's gonna take 20 years to pay this off, don't do it. So again, I think we fall back and I've talked about this in, on prior shows is that business plan's gotta be solid. You gotta see that you've thought of everything and executed everything in that business plan. So, Kaylor, I hope I answered that question right for you. I see you guys over there looking at some kind of yeah, question this, come through. This one's from Joshua Robinson. Again. Hey, Josh. He said, uh, we just raised another $2 million from investors. While I trust our leadership, I have a few questions being one of the first hires. I tend to challenge authority tactfully, but do you have any recommendations on how to approach leadership regarding your concerns, suggestions, etc.? I'm not a co-founder, but am a vested employee with stock options since inception. Hey, Josh, and if you guys didn't hear that, uh, Josh's company, they raised $2 million uh, for whatever startup they're going to be doing, maybe out here in Denver. And uh, the, I think the biggest problem you have, Josh, is, uh, is challenging authority. I get it, man. That's why I'm an entrepreneur. <laughs> so I don't like having a boss. I don't like having someone to tell me what to do and what not to do. So I understand challenging that authority. But, um, you know, read that last part of the question back for me again, Alex. Make sure I understand it. Uh, Leadership. Man, so especially if you're working for a company, Josh, if you're working for someone else, it's going to be very tactful, dude. Uh, try not to offend whoever is your superior. Um, and it's okay to challenge your leadership, man. Um, but at the same time, like I'm humble enough to know that I don't know everything about everything. So if there's if there's people out there that know more than me, I'm. 100% willing and grateful to turn those reins over to that person and trust that person that they know what they're doing. For example, my Fit Republic Foods business, I am not a chef, I don't know how to cook food. Day one, me and Reese were in there cutting up carrots and it was a disaster, right? Like, I don't know what I'm doing in the kitchen. I trust my chef, I trust my team uh, a, a ton, man. And I'm not in there much anymore. I trust them so much, they've done so well. So I turn over the reins to those guys and, and I give them enough rope to, to, um, to grow and, and spread their wings and, and, and take that company and do great things, man. You know, so I don't micromanage them. 
Um, I don't know it. They know it. They've got it. You know what I mean? So, Josh, I hope I answered that question, man. Um, you know, as far as leadership and challenging leadership, be tactful about it. I think there should be a space and a place to be able to say, hey, I don't understand this or I'm not 100% or maybe not 100% agreeing upon this. Uh, it's all about communication, man. Just communicate really well with them. DM me, man, if I didn't answer that question the way you wanted it to, and we'll, we'll get it on a call and uh, we'll wrap about what you got going on, okay? All right, guys, anything else? Any other live questions? Nope. All right, I guess that's the show for today. This is the, the Ask the BCE. Oh, boy. This is the Ask the BCE show, episode number five. Thanks for tuning in, and we're getting scary here behind us. Like, subscribe my YouTube channel. Ask me questions for next week. We'll be here next week at noon on Wednesday. Thanks, guys. <laughs>